Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we educate and inspire people to live fuller lives through mindful practices. Let's get started with your host, New York Times contributor, leadership advisor, sought-after keynote speaker, the author of the Amazon hot new release, Everyday Mindfulness from Chaos to Calm in a Crazy World. She's smart, strong, sassy, and a trendsetter in the field of mindful leadership. Your host, Holly Duckworth. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, where we talk to CEOs, executives, researchers in this field called mindfulness and mindful business. And I am so excited to bring to you a light in the world. You know, sometimes the show just takes on a life of its own and somebody will ask to be on the show and then we find this great connection. And that is the case with this woman who brings her whole heart to the show. Her name is Cheryl B. Englehart. She is a composer, she's a creative life coach, and has already offered so much great insight and wisdom to me as the, the co-host of, of the show and the producer of the show. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. We're so glad that you're bringing your light and your wisdom to the work that we do here. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Well, it's so fun to do the show because we're kind of at this intersection of mindfulness and business. Mm -hmm. And when you and I um, talked a few weeks ago, you know, we were exploring that, you know, this was something that wasn't talked about many years ago. And now it's becoming more and more mainstream and not just in culturally creative careers like music, but in traditional corporate America. And so I wanted to interview you and talk about what are the things that you've learned in your creative career that we can bring to those corporate executives so that we can continue to bridge more light into this new, unique, and transformative time? Yeah, I think, I think it's a great question. It's a great conversation to be in. Um, I've, I've sort of started in the past few years to really see myself as a leader, which is, you know, when you're a composer and you work by yourself in your own studio, you're kind of like, well, who am I leading? Um, but in the work I do with theater groups and choirs, and uh, I've sort of seen the discussions that start to to push forward. And I, and I realized that, that people, no matter what sort of leadership position you're in, whether you're the CEO of a company or you are just leading a workshop and, and not just, but leading a workshop or people are looking to you as an example of behavior. And even for my friends that do have full-time day jobs, they say, oh, my boss never takes off for being sick. So I can't take off for being sick. So there's this culture of um, self-care being um, sort of pushed to the wayside. And I think it, there's a trickle down effect as much as, you know, I, I know a lot of great leaders that are very, um, you know, egalitarian and democratic and, and want the opinions and are super open. And that's amazing. But it's, it's, it's all comes down to what is your behavior and how are you treating yourself and how self-aware are you? Because people are going to see that and, and want to emulate that in some way, whatever it is you're doing, whether it's positive or not as positive as it could be. So for me as a creative, what, what I needed in terms of mindfulness was more of a routine because I can wake up, I walk down the hall and I am at work. So 
that for me needed to shift. I would get very into projects. I'd work till two in the morning and then I would be exhausted when they were done. And it just wasn't a sustainable way to work, especially when I was just starting, starting out. And my husband sort of pointed out, he's like, you know, you're kind of like unavailable as a human being when you're like in project mode and you're everything you do is project mode. So put the pieces together. Um, so I started a, a morning routine. I started looking to what would that look like for me? What could it benefit? Um, I struggled with panic attacks pretty much monthly for almost a decade. Um, and so I looked into, started finally looking into meditation and gratitude practice and all of those sorts of things. And just becoming a little more self-aware of what my shadows were and not being afraid of looking at them. Um, and, and sharing my process. So a big thing that I do on, on the stages that I am privileged to be given is talking to independent musicians and creative people is to share my stories of panic attacks and that it's not something to hide uh, or taboo and that there is a solution. Uh, there are many solutions that might work for certain people and just to, to have the conversation and say, this is what I've done. And then hope that because I'm in that position of leadership that people are saying, oh, maybe this is possible for me too. Well, I think that's so powerful. Am I available as a human being? Hmm. That, I mean, that it really, it's a great question. We have become, I, you know, I say in Everyday Mindfulness, my, my book, we've become a society of bigger, better, faster, and more. Maybe the elections and the economy and the coronavirus and everything is inviting us to say enough is enough, that it's time for us to be human beings again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, be and be what be presence for the first part of that because you can't be anything if you're not present so i i think it's a yeah it's a really beautiful question that's i didn't think of that as the the question but it's a good one well and when we were talking before we were exploring the the power of music as a gift mm -hmm. and music for setting a presence and a tone um I think a lot of my listeners, I know for me, when I think of corporate mindfulness and music, sadly, I think of Muzak, that thing that's pumped into our malls or you know, mm -hmm. pumped into the office that maybe doesn't have the presence of mind that it, that it could. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk to us a little bit about the work that you do and how music may be a mindfulness tool that CEOs and executives could use, maybe not all the time, I grew, we're not going to turn off the music, but maybe we could use it in a corporate boardroom or a sales retreat or those types of things to connect us more to the work that we do. So I'm just curious what you think on that. Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, like when you're in any sort of uh, group environment, there's always a period of waiting. Someone arrives before someone else. <laughs> Like period, end of story. So what happens there? Like people whip out their phones there. They, it gives them an opportunity to, to keep generating that, that culture of anxiety and that culture of bigger, better, which, you know, which I'm totally a part of. I mean, I was just playing a game to get on the billboard charts. I write music for commercials and do, like, I, I, I get it, you know, I'm, I'm in it. And there are opportunities, I think, to, to sort of unplug for a hot second in those moments. And it's just moments when you're, waiting or there could be a buildup of frustration or something and and actually take it somewhere else instead of what we're sort of trained to do now or you know go to emotionally uh, i started looking into sort of music for mindfulness when i started this about two years ago actually i'm day 629 into meditating straight uh, i started five minutes a while ago and two two months into that my panic attacks stopped so that's just a 
side note, I didn't change anything else, not my diet, not where I lived. And so I know that there is something to just that five minutes for me. Sometimes I go longer, but I started saying, oh, maybe, maybe music can support my morning routine practice, my meditation practice. And I looked for, for some music and a lot of the stuff I found would be like theta waves and, you know, drone type music. And great. It totally serves a purpose. Um, but it wasn't keeping me present. It, it was so, it was allowing me to go back to my grocery lists and let my mind wander. Um, and it wasn't helping me in any way. Uh, sometimes it would make me sleepier, which I know a lot of those are designed to do that as well, which is again, great, different purpose. So I started to look for, I was like, okay, maybe I'll listen to classical music or I'll listen to piano music. And those are so melodic. You can hum along to them. They are beautiful. You can actually get caught up emotionally in them, but it's not you. It's the, what the music is doing. So that wasn't working for me either. And of course, listening to music with lyrics, that's a whole other story. Then you're, you're in a different story, literally someone else's story. Um, and sometimes they really connect with you. It's why you can be standing in the middle of you know, the grocery store and hear a breakup song come on and, and you start crying because you just went through the same thing. Like there, there is an emotional connection, to, which is great. Again, not what I was looking for. So I realized, I was like, okay, I want something that not only keeps me present, but latches on to where I am emotionally, whether I'm feeling anxious or sad or lonely and takes me on a journey somewhere else. And being the person that can't sit still for longer than five or six minutes, I was like, let's make the, let's, let's try to create this and make them six minute tracks. So I ended up getting invited to an artist residency in Greece and they showed me my room, which was this gorgeous stone room with a grand piano in it. And I said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this record here. We're going to try this idea. And I had already written out several, you know, over a dozen different emotions, things that I would either want to release, like negativity or anxiety, or things that I wanted to attract, like vitality, abundance, love. Um, and I would sit down and write a piece that started with the feeling of lacking that thing that I wanted, and, and then write and sort of slowly morph it into the hope that I wanted to, or the happiness or the, you know, so we go, we start with one thing and then we latch on and then we bring you to another place in six minutes. And it's just with the piano. I do some humming, um, some vocal things. And then there's a bell that I use and I reverse the audio. I sort of played around with the audio a little bit, but that's really to, to pierce the listening, to sort of keep you present. So it's not music I would say you can fall asleep to. It's actually music you can drive to because it's so calming, but it, you won't fall asleep. People are telling me that they're studying to it. They're more awake, they're focused. And I, you know, I've been listening to it all week. I've been listening to it when I'm going through some personal stuff and it, I'm like, oh my God, and people are saying, listen to your record when you're having these hard times. I'm like, it's working. So that, that was my, my experience of looking for something, not being able to find it, happened to be a composer. So I created it and it's, it's landing really well. Um, the record came out a few weeks ago. It's been number one on iTunes and Amazon in the new age category. And, uh, and it's called Luminary, being the well, source of your own light. That's the, the definition. Well, I think that if I was a, a CEO, an executive, an entrepreneur hearing this, I think, oh my gosh, Holly, you really want me to think like one more thing through. I've got to create an agenda and we've got decisions to make and we've got money to, to deal and sales and all, you know, and HR and all of these things. How do we create, create the business case for being a little more intentional about bringing music into, say, that sales meeting or strategic planning session? Yeah. I mean, most rooms are now equipped with audio video setups. It's literally a quick email to your tech person and saying, hey, how can we 
pump this this song. It's just for six minutes, just while people are coming in. Um, it's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's, you know, a lot of people use Pandora. It's on Pandora. It's on Amazon. Let's purchase it for ninety nine cents. Let's do that. Like it's it's one email to someone who knows how to set that up pretty easily, and then just a pressing play. And then when people are settled, it's like okay, let's be in a new a new space. And you, I mean, there are other initiatives that might take a little bit more effort, but maybe, you know, a, a lot of companies and including the one I used to work for in the advertising world had Monday morning meetings, staff meetings, um, you know, same thing there. What if it was sitting and instead of being on the phone, like what if there was a no phone policy and just sort of a sit mindfulness, Monday mindfulness minutes, you know, something like that, or the six minute fix or like there, there are a few things that, that you could put in throughout the week that would say, hey, we're aware that this is important, especially in a culture where we are going at such a high rate and anxiety is a lot of people suffer from anxiety because there's so much, there's stuff that's going on that's like evolutionary, like training that's happening. We, you know, our amygdala is like looking for the tiger, looking for the tiger. There are no tigers. It's just that we might've put our socks on wrong or, and you know, and we get the same sort of reaction, but then we don't get to release what those the chemicals that the body's building up thinking that there's a tiger around the corner because it's just our shoes that are wrong or we put black shoes on when there's a brown suit or you know whatever um we're not responding the the way our bodies are intended to respond so we have to put in this mindfulness work so that we can actually see those feelings acknowledge them let the body take a breath let the hormones and the chemicals and all balance out again and it, it doesn't take long to do but that's, um, I think that's something that's really important physically as well as, which obviously will translate to mentally and productivity wise. Um, so I think anything that you can do, even if it's just, even if it's on in your office and when someone comes to talk to you, they hear this and they're like, oh, you're actually being a little mindful. Okay. It goes back to that trickle down thing. I think anything, anything is better than nothing at this point. So you know, it depends on your, the culture at your work where you can start. Well, and in a lot of workplaces, it's about moving, you know, one person who maybe agrees with the decision to another point who doesn't agree to a decision. And yet we have to create more unity in, in decision making. And that's where I think music has such a gift that you talked about. I, I, I take that emotion of, let's just say, say lack and we work with the tones to bring people to, to a place of abundance or positivity that we're not all gonna agree on every decision all of the time, but music and a tool like this, both consciously and unconsciously can help round out those hard edges of the anger or the negativity. Um, and sometimes it is just that, that moment to breathe before you jump in. Because as you said, there's always gonna be that moment. Somebody came in late, somebody came in early, somebody's yeah. right on time, they've got their computer, they've got the right book, or they, they don't. And so I, I do this a lot before my keynotes. I just, you know, just have a track going on the background. And so having something that's scientifically proven like your work can, can do it. And don't just take our word for it, just give it a try. Yeah, exactly. And there is, I, I was a biology major and a double major in music. So I like have this very deep love for research slash dorky side. <laughs> and there, there is so much science behind um, even the, the tempo of the song. So these, these pieces are a little more ambient. You can't like find a beat and dance to it. But at the same time, they were all recorded to a tempo. And a lot of sleep music is at a, a, a tempo where your heart rate, if you, your heart was to beat along, it would be slower, which is great. But then when you try to listen to, quote, calming music or meditation music in the middle of the day, your, 
you're actually going to put yourself to sleep. You're going to feel more tired versus feeling present and focused. Um, so what I did, I made sure that none of these tracks are below um, sleep heart rate in terms of the beats. A lot of them are much higher. So you can, I've actually gone running with them. They're, they're definitely not like, you know, workout tracks, but there is that sort of feel of why do I feel this like vitality when this is meant to be like a meditation track. So I, I actually don't call them meditation music because it's not designed to do what meditation music does. Um, so there's that. There's also the idea that um, our, all of our bodies are makeup, have masculine and feminine sides. Uh, generally, energetically speaking, people believe that the left side is feminine, the right side is masculine. And also that when the left side is activated sort of engaged, that makes the right side more powerful. So you want them working together so you can listen and if you listen with headphones, there are, are moments throughout each song where like one or two of the sounds or instruments or uh, tracks will sort of slowly go from left to right if you're listening with, with headphones. Um, so to sort of awaken that left side and really empower the right side. So I sort of brought that element in. So there are definitely things that are just designed to support you in wherever you are and, and just kind of bring out the, the peace and the focus all at once. So we talked a lot about your music and go ahead. I want, want you to give the website so people can get access to it. I am a luminary.com. The record is called luminary. You can find it anywhere you can get music, but I am a luminary.com is the there's stories and videos and you can get a free track and all that stuff. Awesome. Now we wanted to have you on the show also to talk about the lessons you've learned in the music business that can apply mindfully to other businesses. So I'm curious, what are the, the two or three practices that you focus in on with your, your business profession that we should be trying out in corporate America? It's funny. I get asked this question a lot. And I also get asked, how are you using your college degree when you're in the music industry, and you're, <laughs> you know, double major with biology. And, and the first thing I answer to that is I learned how to prioritize what not to do. I learned how to drop the ball. Um, there's a great book called Drop the Ball by Tiffany Defoe that I'm reading right now. And it really is just becoming a master at knowing what matters um, and also a master at my schedule. So that's something, especially running you know, my own company where I get to say when I do what, having a relationship with my calendar so that when I put something in it, I don't have to-do lists. I have my calendar. When I think of something I need to do, it immediately goes and exists in time and space in my calendar. Because if it just sits on a to-do list, it doesn't exist in time. It just exists on my conscience. And it's like a black cloud hanging over my head. Oh, I got to find time to do this thing versus, okay, I can find time now. So I'm looking at my calendar. I'm going to put it in on Friday at 12 o'clock. As soon as Friday, 12 o'clock comes, I trust the past version of myself who wrote that in knowing it was important and I should do it. Of course, I move things around and I notice if I move something around more than twice, it probably isn't important or it's too big of a task. I need to break it down into smaller tasks. So those are, those are some things that I, I found really helped be able to do a lot of things and wear many hats, but still be you know, a master of my life and not have the tasks be the master of me. So that's, that's one thing that I've sort of, and I think anyone that has an entrepreneurial life that doesn't have a set schedule, um, can take on. It doesn't necessarily mean from the music business. Um, so that's one thing, just sort of the overall getting a hold of your organization of your life and what you have to do. I think the second thing that, that, uh, specifically from music, uh, is translating and realizing whose job 
it is to translate. So when I'm working with a film director, it is not their job to tell me that they would like more pizzicatos in the violas. That is not their job. They say, we need more energy in this section or this feels even something as simple as like, this feels slow, even though I know they don't technically want it faster. They want more energy. I can do that by adding pizzicatos in the violas. <laughs> so I know that I'm a translator. And so for me in my communications, I'm listening for what the emotion is that they need. And I've seen this translator thing. I, I recently was working with an artist to design the luminary CD cover. And I realized that I do not speak art. Like I can draw a stick figure and that is it. No one wants to see anything else. And, you know, I was talking about when the sky turns from gray to blue, they're like, oh, you want the gradient to be more on a diagonal. <laughs> and they started speaking art with me. And I realized I'm like, oh, they're the translator. Cool. So I realized that I wanted to be the ideal client. And what I love most is when my clients tell me what they want to feel. So I said, I want to feel like there's a light coming from a darkness. Can you do that? And boom, gradients, blah, 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 complete. <laughs> so I think that's something that I've really taken from, from just being a musician and a composer is, is knowing who is the translator and who needs to say things in a clear way without worrying about speaking the right language. Just, I think, I think almost all problems can be solved if we can get down to what we want to feel or what we want our customers to feel. And if we're addressing that, then the branding, the copy, the, you know, all the stuff will fall into place if we have that clarity. Yeah. The listeners have heard me say we live in a feeling universe. So how can we start to honor those feelings in corporate America, in the workplace and utilize, I love your translation and, you know, it goes through your music. You know, right now my, my team is coming into the meeting and they're feeling anxiety. When they walk out, I want them to feel joy. And then look at how you structure the, the talking points, the feeling tone, the presence of the meeting in such a way that you move people from feeling A to feeling B. That's such, such a great way to think about business in these transformative times. Yeah. So I'm curious, you talked about, you don't have a to-do list. You move, move that to your calendar. I love that idea. Um, what's your definition of mindfulness? That's a great question. I think, mm, oh dear. Mindfulness is the act of practicing self-awareness. So I think it's, it's something that you do to reach a state of knowing yourself, knowing your shadows, knowing the parts of you that you don't want other people to see, but inevitably come out if you keep ignoring them. And they usually come out at the most inopportune times. So when you get to see the anxious and the angry and the, all the feelings and say, I, I see you, I see that, and can take the time to see all of yourself and love all of yourself, those are not going to come out when they shouldn't, they're going to be seen. Uh, I think you're going to be so you, you'll have the self-awareness that allows you to be more present with people, have deeper relationships, be more productive, be more focused. Um, but anything you do to get to that place, whether it's a meditation or a gratitude practice, I think that is the act of mindfulness. Um, so I, I think mindfulness is a practice, but I think that that can be debated. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I often cite back the work of Don Kabat-Zinn. Mindfulness is the practice of being present in the moment with non-judgment. And that, that, those are elements um, in what, what you're saying. And I think what's so beautiful about mindfulness as it continues to go mainstream is there's no one agreed upon definition, but there's a core essence. And, you know, for you, that idea of self, 
self-awareness and self-presence brings your light uniquely through your business coaching as well as your music. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Well, we want to just give you one, one more opportunity. Tell us again where we get the music and how we can support continuing to expand mindfulness through your work out into the world. Thank you. So I am illuminary.com is where you can find all the links to Apple, Spotify, all the places you can get, get music. Um, I'm on Instagram at CBE music. I really am loving that platform recently. Um, so you can find me there and, and connect there. So that's, uh, yeah, I think those are the two, the two main ones. Keep it simple. Wonderful. Well, we're going to put those in the show notes for folks and look for more opportunities to continue to promote the sense of self-awareness and presence through your work. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for being on the show. Remember, mindful matters, and so do you. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more mindfulness every day, visit everydaymindfulnessshow.com and download the three-day challenge and experience the ABCs of mindfulness. Mm-hmm.